0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. <laughs> We've had some... Uh, I started out writing earlier this week. We've had some sad times in the news, some things noted in the last couple of weeks, and I, I stopped. I'm like, well, pretty much it's all sad in the news, right? <laughs> Not a lot of great things happening that we... at least that we hear of that way, even though there's some great things happening. But they announced in the last couple of weeks that... There's going to be no in-person viewing of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and no in-person viewing of the um, New York uh, New Year's Eve Times Square ball drop, which I'm sure will affect all of us terribly, right? i just love to go and be uh, harnessed in that group. (laughs) Yeah, not on my bucket list. Um, But what is on my bucket list and what I find that I just continue to miss are the relationships with some of our own folks here. In the church, that are um, e- either physically compromised or just plain uneasy with what's going on in society. And so we haven't seen them in, in many cases for months and months. And I just continue to miss that. Um, some signs that things here are back to normal. Some of our small groups have started up again. Uh, in fact, most of them are going one way or another right now. And um, our adult classes are going, our children's wing is thriving over there. And um, not exactly the highlight of your week, but, you know, we had some people pass during this COVID time. And at the time they passed, um, they're only allowing, like, groups of 10 to get together for funerals or memorial services. Uh, We had a service yesterday for John Carnahan, and this coming Saturday, 10 o'clock here in the Worship Center, a memorial service for Dennis Temple. So, of course, many of you know and remember Dennis um, and we want to celebrate his life a bit. So, hope you're able to come and participate with us next week on that um, as we just try to again um, bring back community, right? The part that's uh, been struggling for all of these months. Uh, there's not always a lot of reasons to celebrate in our society if we think about some of the major stuff going on. I hope you, like me, though, are finding plenty of reasons to find joy in life, and joy in the life that God has blessed us with. Now, in our study of Nehemiah, we're coming to a time of celebration. You'll remember that back in Nehemiah 6 we read that the wall was finished in 52 days, an amazing thing, something to be celebrated, and yet we realized the wall was just a means to an end, right? We said that a number of times, that God was rebuilding a nation. He was rebuilding a people in that way. But after completing the wall in chapter 6, we read that in chapter 8, Ezra, the priest, Ezra, the teacher, opened up the book of the law, the law of Moses, to them. And they read and they learned. And it led to chapter 9 in Nehemiah where the people uh, were devastated. Like they repented. There were tears and there were struggles. And they confessed their sins and ultimately led us to chapter 10 where they made a commitment. In light of what we know about the scriptures, in light of what we know God wants from us, this is what we will do. Remember, they made that binding agreement that they were going to engage in God's covenant relationship once again. Well, in chapter 11, if you read ahead, you find that what happened was Jerusalem had been fairly unpopulated because it was an unprotected city. The walls weren't built. But once the walls were built, people from all the villages and towns, the cities around, uh, volunteered to actually live in Jerusalem. And so there's a listing of those things in the beginning of chapter 12, and then in chapter 12, where I want you to turn, Nehemiah chapter 12, you've got the Bibles in front of you. Maybe you brought your Bible with you. You've got a Bible app. In Nehemiah chapter 12, it's time to celebrate. It's time to dedicate the wall, celebrate what God has accomplished through his people. And as we watch it unfold here in this chapter, we're going to see first that the nation takes a pause. Okay. Now, you're not going to find a, a chapter and verse that says they paused. But you are going to find when you're in Nehemiah 12 that the people stop all the things that they're doing. I mean, they'd been in this constant process of rebuilding. They had been um, doing all kinds of things to reinstigate this nation and worship and all of those type of things. But here, they're going to take a pause. And they're going to acknowledge what God has been doing or what God has done among them. They're going to dedicate this wall. The the Levites and the priests and the leaders, they're going to to stop and they're going to celebrate the goodness of God. Now, I've talked about this before for us personally, right? The need for us to periodically hit the pause button in our lives, whether it's to stop a, a rash interaction with another person whether it's just to catch our breath or it's to take inventory of what God is doing, I'm going to suggest that that's not important just for us individually, but it's also important for us as a church to hit that pause button. And theoretically, that's what happens every week when we gather to worship, to step away from our daily lives for a moment to focus on God and what he's doing. Now, you know that six months ago, eight months ago, whenever all this craziness started, right, like we had a pause. And for a while that felt good, and after a while it felt really uncomfortable, and you found yourself saying at one point, boy, I hope some things will get back to, but you also found yourself saying, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that blur. I don't want to go back to that, Activity And yet here we find ourselves in October, and for many I've watched, that life again has become a blur of activity. From work, to play, to home life, to sports, to entertainment. There's an endless activity going on around us. And if we're not careful, there's an endless activity going on that includes us in our lives as well. But God created us to pause. Put another way, God created us to rest. If we use biblical words, we say God created us to Sabbath. There's a rhythm to the life that God has planned for us. And it includes resting from labor, and it includes resting from endless activity, because it's through rest that we are refreshed. It's through rest that we worship. And it's through let rest that we oftentimes learn to enjoy life and to enjoy God. And ironically, like it takes work to rest. <laughs> That's what we've found in life. For those of us that are wired to go from one project to another, from one activity to another, from one um, responsibility to another, rest is often that missing ingredients that if we understood it better would understand why sometimes we lack satisfaction in what we accomplish. Not just that we accomplish, but we, we don't enjoy it. And if we're not careful, it leads to burnout. I wish I would have learned this lesson 20 years ago. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I have learned this lesson better in the last 20 years and I'm better able to enjoy the life that God gives to me personally taking time to pause taking time to pray taking time to reflect and to celebrate along the way listen if we don't learn to celebrate god's work in our lives we will find that we miss it and not only that we're going to find that we miss the joy along the way the joy for the journey it's so important in so many different ways and while it's not here in text it is here in principle in this passage and we need to take note and and while we're noticing what's happening here let's dive into the text and look at their preparation for this event okay a big event's going to happen a celebration is going to happen and here's what we read if you jump down to chapter 12 verse 27 it says that the dedication of the wall of jerusalem the levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought into Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving, with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophetites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem, Just a side note, if you're a musician, that probably sounds pretty attractive. (laughs) You would have to mess with the rest of us people that are brained on the wrong side, and you could just enjoy your people. Well, that's, that's what they did. And it says, when the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the walls. Now, purification would have taken a number of different forms in the Old Testament. It might have involved washings or ritual sprinklings or fasting or sacrifices or sexual abstinence and and some variety of that was experienced by the priests and by the Levites and by the people and while we don't know exactly how it was done they even purified the, the, the gates and the walls meaning they set aside and said these structures are not just structures they are here for honoring God, for protecting his people, for being included in his work. It wasn't just, in other words, a matter of gathering the right people. Let's make sure, you know, I always tell people when, they're getting, when I'm doing the, the, their wedding ceremony, like if there's ever a decision to be made, it's just you and me, like the three of us, we're going to make this conversation, okay? And like, I know there's a mother-in-law and a mother-in-law, I know there's all these people who have an idea of how it's supposed to work. But like as long as I show up and you show up, it doesn't matter if anybody shows up because gonna, you're going to be married when it's over, right? And so it wasn't just a matter of getting the right priests and the right Levites. I mean, everybody came to the celebration because um, God was at work. But everybody also prepared themselves for the celebration because that's how they were dedicated to God. I want to meddle just a little bit this morning, so you just walk with me here, okay? How often do you find yourself or your family preparing for worship? Now, Drew or I are going to prepare a message. Josh and his team, they're going to prepare some different parts of the service. But do you and do I? Do we prepare our hearts for worship and prepare our hearts and our minds to engage God? What's your Saturday evening look like? When I used to teach our, um, one of our classes about spiritual disciplines, I would say if what's, if what's on TV is more important on whatever night than it is for you to spend time with God in the morning, then you stay up and watch whatever. But if it's not, wouldn't it be worthwhile to turn off the TV so you had time and energy and attention in the morning to give that to God? And maybe you're just the opposite. Maybe you're a night person. But what's your Saturday night look like? What's your Sunday morning before you come here? You all are in the second service, right? So if a little some of you have a little more time in the morning. Some of you are just getting up at the last minute, and that's how you roll, and that's okay. But what are you doing to prepare To meet God in this place. Now, obviously some people have more challenges with that than others. It's not lost on me that I'm no longer coming on Sunday morning after being out past midnight for a wrestling tournament on Saturday night during that stage of life. It was a great stage of life, but no longer is that my burden. It's certainly not lost on me that I'm not preparing four kids (laughs) or one kid or two or three kids, or more, to be here on Sunday morning. The truth is, like, I was fairly useless in that process for all of my raising kids time because I was here before my kids ever got up on Sunday morning. And so it's not lost to me that, th- that we have challenges in that. Okay? But how are we structuring to the best of our ability our lives and our homes and our families and our calendars so that when we are here, We're actually here in our mind and in our bodies that shows that being in worship and preparing for worship is a priority for our family. And then what are you doing personally to engage God here? Not just the outward things, but your heart. David said in Psalm 51, verse 10, create in me a clean heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe there's something we can learn about preparation from David or from the people in Nehemiah's day about preparing ourselves for worship. Okay? And then as we look at the actual worship that happens, let's talk for a minute about the participation that's going on here in Nehemiah chapter 12. Okay? Now we read of all that participated in the celebration... In the following verses, I'm going to just take us through some pieces of about four or five verses here. Down in verse 31, it says, this is Nehemiah writing, I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was proceed to the top of the wall to the right. And if you read who's with them, Ezra, the the priest, the teacher of the law, the leader, Ezra is part of that group. Down in verse 38, it says, The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed, meaning Nehemiah, I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people. Down in verse 40, it says, The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I. And then down in verse 32, The choir sang under the direction of Jezrehiah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices. Rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Now, if you've been here for the um, for this series, almost three months now, don't miss the irony of what is happening here. Do you remember back in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, verse 3, where the enemy Tobiah the Ammonite said, What they are building... Even a fox would get up on top and all those stones would crumble. And yet here, around almost all of the city, are actual people standing side by side, these choirs all around the city offering God honor and praise. I I love when God um, proves his critics wrong. (laughs) I love when he says, yeah, just hang on, hang on for a minute. We'll see how that works, right? And then do you remember back in Ezra chapter 3, when the original people came back and they finished laying the foundation for the temple? And in chapter 3, verse 13, we read that no one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. We're here in chapter 12 of Nehemiah. On the other end of things, there's no weeping. There was only celebration and it could be heard from far away and no doubt all of those enemies who gave them all that grief in the first six chapters of Nehemiah over all those years of Ezra, actually in Zerubbabel coming back for these projects of rebuilding, no one knew or no one misunderstood that God was being celebrated and the people were rejoicing. Now what I want you to notice if you read through all those verses is nobody's setting up Chairs. There's no ushers. And nobody's handing out bulletins because there aren't any bulletins for the program. No one's saying, here's what to expect because everyone who was there was engaged in worship. Nobody just sat and listened. Nobody took a place over in the corner. Everybody was engaged as a worshiper. Now the Levites, we read, were the worship leaders. But all the people we the worshipers. And just, just take note with me here. Um, worship is not something you observe. Worship is something that you do. It's not a derogatory statement, but a positive one to say worship is a performance. Okay? As long as God is the audience... And all of us are the performers. We worship God. We don't sit in chairs and worship someone on a stage. I'm not saying you're guilty of that. But we also don't sit passively by and watch someone else worship. We are the worshipers. We are the ones who are giving God honor. Now the ones up on stage, we are the prompters. Right, Just like the Levites were the prompters of what was going on that day. But we're all worshipers in that's way. So, so let's make sure that whether we're here in person or whether we're turning, tuning in via some type of electronic media or Facebook Live program or something else, let's make sure that we're not present just to watch a show. That we don't come just to see if maybe we might get something out of the sermon. That we're not here just to be inspired and then go on with our lives. Instead, let's engage to offer God the worship that he deserves by offering him our praise, by offering him our love, and by offering him our very lives. That's what's going on in Nehemiah 12. And that's what needs to happen in this place every single week. Now, now, what we're watching in Nehemiah 12 develop is a beautiful thing. It's a special celebration. Uh, and though this particular celebration is unique, they didn't do this all the time, worship was to be an ongoing part of their lives as well as God's followers. So for that to continue to p- take place, Nehemiah records for us what they did in terms of provision for that worship to take place worth looking at today. During all the time, then the foundations of um, their society were being put in place. When the, the wall was being rebuilt, when the temple was being rebuilt, when the altar was being rebuilt, during all of those times, the foundations for worship were also being taken care of because beyond this event of Nehemiah 12 there were worship things that were happening ongoing look down at verse 44 with me it says at that time men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions first fruits and tithes from the fields around the towns they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites for Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the musicians and gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, Asaph was the music director, they had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel, Ezra chapter 1, when they came, and of Nehemiah, current time for them, all Israel contributed to the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside portions for the descendants of Aaron, the priests. Okay? Now, I love how these verses show they not that the people not only loved God, and they were willing to give to Him, but it also says that they were pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. It's good when you like the people who lead you, don't you think? I think that's an important part of it all. The people who prompt you, if you would. Now, back in Nehemiah chapter 10, we skipped over a section where the people committed to obeying the scriptures regarding the offerings. Okay, and I said we get back to that. Here in chapter 12, we see that Nehemiah puts the structure in place to receive those offerings and to disperse those offerings, the provisions for God for worship and his provisions for spiritual living. And we'll get back to that section in Nehemiah uh, chapter 10 next week when we finish chapter 13 as well. So the wall is finished and the temple is finished and the people are engaged in worship and sacrifices are being offered and Ezra has introduced the law as a part of their life and their worship, and things are moving and flowing in God's direction. As we turn to the final chapter in 13, chapter 13, we see there's an ongoing responsiveness to God. Now, I just want to look at the first three verses here, but I want to take note of something that happens. It says, On that day, Nehemiah 13:1, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people. And there it was found written that no Ammonites or Moabites should ever be admitted into the assembly of God because they had not met the Israelites with food and water, but instead had hired Balaam to call a curse down on them, meaning on the Israelites. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. When the people heard this law, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. Now, I can't tell you exactly how that played out, and I'm not sure I can even tell you exactly why that played out because you remember back in Ezra, the people had already separated once all the foreigners out, right? Remember in that series? But remember, we're, we're a couple or three decades from back in Ezra when that happened. And one thing we know about the people of Israel, and one of the things we know about the people of God, and, and perhaps one of the things we know about the people of Troy Christian Church, is that life is a cycle of struggles. And so they're obeying in Ezra and they neglect. And they're obeying in Nehemiah chapter 13 and then they're going to neglect. But the encouraging part to me is that God's word is alive and prominent among them. So when they hear in their mind a fresh word from God in Nehemiah chapter 13, what do they do? They respond and they obey, and it's just encouraging when God's people are tied into his word, and they're obeying his word in that way. Have you noticed that there's a connection between worship and obedience? Worship flows out of obedience, and in the case of Nehemiah 13, obedience flows out of worship. If one of them is right, if your heart is right with God, if your worship is right, obedience seems seamless. And if your obedience is right, worship seems seamless. But if either of them is off, have you noticed that the other feels empty as well? Have you ever come into this place fighting God? And <laughs> It's not a very joyful experience on a Sunday morning, is it? <laughs> right? When, you're, when our heart isn't lined up with his, it just doesn't work out so well. Well, Paul connects these two very well for us in Romans chapter 12 as well. He writes beginning in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That sounds a lot to me, like obedience. He says, and this is your true and proper Worship He says don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Worship flows out of obedience, and obedience flows out of worship. So how is your worship life these days? And how is your life of obedience these days? And is God speaking a fresh word into you through his word? That was a great time in the life of the nation here in Nehemiah chapter 12. Celebration and rejoicing. Unfortunately, it's not going to last very long. Between what we are today in the scriptures and we pick it up next week in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah is going to go back to Susa. Remember, he had told his boss, King Artaxerxes, how long he would be gone. And he was gone for that long, but he went back. And he's going to come back to Jerusalem sometime later, about 12 or 13 years later. And we're going to see what he finds next week when we finish this series and we finish the book of Nehemiah. But in the spirit of our passage today, we decided we'd finish our service today in worship. Okay, so I'm going to pray. I'll be back in the corner. Um, Our leaders will be available if you want to pray during our worship time, if you want to pray and talk through things after the service, if if the word is stirring in you, if life is stirring in you, the need to change, the need to accept Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as your Master. We can talk about that today. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to end our time today in worship. So bow your heads with me if you would. Father, it's um, it's a beautiful picture of what's going on. Your work amongst your people, the celebration, the obedience, um, the sacrifices, the word being alive and active among them. Father, those are the things we desire to be happening in our life and in our church. So help us to pause each week to give you the praise that you deserve. Lord, to prepare our hearts to be in this place, to participate fully, Lord, and to hear your word and obey it fully. May we do that today even, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.